Well, good day and welcome to the Five Day Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Lance Ward and I'll be walking us through some highlights of this past week's reading. You can download a copy of this reading plan, by the way, if you haven't already done so, in the description of this podcast. You can also find it at fivedaybiblereading.com. And if you listen regularly, don't forget to rate this podcast in whatever podcast service you use. Well, we're in week 34 this week. We read Isaiah 7 through 22, which only puts us a third of the way through this book. Psalms 22, 62, 118. We finished Matthew verses uh, chapters 26 through 28 and 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. It has been said that no book besides the Psalms is quoted more in the New Testament than Isaiah. One writer even says that the New Testament contains over 400 quotes or allusions from Isaiah. We saw last week in 6, 9, and 10 a quote Jesus used, and this week we saw a well-known passage in Isaiah 7 regarding the virgin conceiving and giving birth to a son named Emmanuel. You probably noticed other references to the one we now know as our Messiah in passages like chapter 9, verse 2, and then verses 6 and 7 of chapter 9, and also 11, 1 through 10. A common theme in the prophets is prominent in this week's reading as well. God's hatred of injustice and oppression. These are common ingredients to any people, uh, group, nation, or organization that goes bad. The powerful take advantage of the vulnerable, grave sins in the Lord's eyes. But this does not escape our God. One day, he says, the oppressors will be judged, and this is a good thing. Isaiah reserves some strong and violent language for that day to come, reminding us that our good God will not be unjust in the end. As we know, there are few chapters in our Old Testament, though, that point so clearly to the cross than Psalm 22, especially verses 1 through 8 and 12 through 18. This chapter, though, does not stop there. Written by David in the midst of his own sufferings, he says in verse 21, You answered me. So I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. A verse also quoted in the New Testament in Hebrews 2, 12. David also offers us a fitting pattern to prayer in Psalm 62 as he goes back and forth from counting on God as a sure refuge while also speaking candidly about the threats against him. In the middle, we see something common to David. We see self-talk. He says, rest in God alone, my soul for my hope comes from him. This is an important thing modeled in the Psalms, talking to ourselves, telling ourselves what the real truth is when everything around us seems to be caving in. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of what we know to be true, especially when the circumstances around us try to convince us otherwise. After talking to himself and remembering God as his rock and refuge, David gains perspective in verse 9 where he says common people are only a vapor, important people an illusion. Together on a scale, they weigh less than a vapor. That's perspective, and that's one huge aspect of prayer in times of trouble, perspective. The threats against David here have not ended, but he doesn't despair. He basks in the reality that God is God and man is not. And that is where his prayer and meditation leads him, to a perspective of how things truly are beyond what the naked eye can see. We see that same kind of perspective in Psalm 118, verses 5 through 9. And one other thing I noticed in 118, 22 through 24, 
we see that familiar verse, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And in the context, that verse comes on the heels of a messianic prophecy. Hmm. Is this day referring to the advent of the coming king? Interesting. We finished up Matthew this week, reading the last three chapters. I noted the, again the sovereignty of God's plan in Jesus' own words in 26, 54, and 56. As Jesus is arrested, everyone is shocked except Jesus. Things are going exactly as planned by God's sovereign hand. His main mission for coming is moving in the direction of this marvelous redemption story. I think one of the most comical verses in our Bibles, aside from the fact that the people that had arrested Samson forgot to keep his hair short, aside from that, one of the most comical verses in our Bibles is Matthew 27, 65, where Pilate instructs a group of soldiers to go and make the tomb as secure as you can. <laughs> no chance, turkeys. That ain't happening. Did you notice, by the way, in Matthew 28, verse 8, how the women at the tomb ran away with fear and great joy? What a combination. It almost sounds contradictory, but it's not. Perhaps that is one true measure of an encounter with the living God. And when we truly encounter the glory of God, there is both awe and joy. You realize how big God is and how small you are, but it doesn't humiliate the one who trusts in him. It elevates you. Well, we also started 1 Corinthians this week, and in chapters 1 and 2, you probably noted the prevalence of this contrast between wisdom and foolishness. You see, in those days, to follow a so-called king who had been crucified was a joke to the world back then. No one in that day could imagine a more degrading form of humiliation than to be openly crucified. It was meant not only to inflict intense physical pain, but also intense shame, a shame below all other forms of shame. Author C.S. Lewis, in fact, once wrote that the crucifixion did not become art until everyone who had seen one had died off. No one in Paul's day in the same way would have worn a cross. That kind of symbol just didn't make sense to anyone speaking good news. But God's brand of faith will not, indeed cannot, make sense to a lost world. It will always appear as foolishness, though it is really wisdom. This is where an oft-quoted verse is often misquoted and, and even misunderstood. It's 1 Corinthians 2.9 we read this week. It says, As it is written in Isaiah 64, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. <clears throat> now, in some translations, there is a comma there, not a period. But even if your translation has a period, you've got to keep reading, for, for Paul has not yet finished his thought. Because then he says, these things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Has revealed, not will reveal. So when this is read out of context, you might think this passage is a reference to heaven, which will be wonderful indeed. But, but neither here in 1 Corinthians nor in Isaiah 64, from whence it is taken, is the author referring to heaven, nor even discussing heaven at all. Here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is speaking of two kinds of wisdom, two kinds of knowledge, if you will, that which is of the world and that which is of God. 
This is why, even to this day, those who don't know Christ scratch their heads over why we pursue Him with such abandon. We might even wonder ourselves, knowing how our former lives were, why we now love to do these things Jesus commands rather than enjoying the way we used to live. How can that be? Well, Paul says right here, because these things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. Paul's not talking about heavenly knowledge here, but the new perspective that we now possess by having the Spirit of God dwelling in us. So if you belong to God through Jesus and are enjoying this life of holiness rather than worldliness, it is because your eyes have seen, your ears have heard. This passage, in other words, is about right now. And just a note on the side, this this place serves as a great reminder that reading through the Bible helps us to see contexts we might not otherwise notice. Therefore, our understanding will grow, and out of a growing understanding will come a growing faith. Well, I conclude with this thought, the last words of Matthew, which are both reassuring and placed there by design, where Jesus says, I am with you always. His gospel begins with Emmanuel, God with us, and it ends with, I am with you always. And I think that's a main message that Matthew's trying to convey. God with us when Jesus came. God remains with us now that he is gone by his Spirit. May you know that this week. May you know that this month, this year, and for the rest of your life, if you belong to Christ, that he is always with you. He will never leave you, and one day he will receive you to glory. Next week, we'll read Isaiah 23 through 35, 2 Chronicles 28, 2 Kings 17, Psalms 65 and 66, and 1 Corinthians 3 through 7. Look forward to talking to you then. Thank you for listening to the 5-Day Reading Plan Podcast. (music) 